Welcome to the MMA Takes Podcast. I know you're used to hearing the intro music by now, but I wanted to talk about a sponsor. Yes, that's right. We have our first one. And uh, I know you're tempted to hit that 15-second button, but please don't. This is um, a very special sponsor to me. It's my father, Don. He um, decided to give me an early birthday gift and get me a mixer because the other one I had was junk to evolve the podcast. And I told him, I said, what do you want? You want me to take out lunch? Want me to take out dinner? He said, no, how about you be me? Uh, how about my guest on your podcast? Well, Unfortunately, he doesn't know shit about MMA, so I can't really have him on. I mean, I already have Austin who comes on and doesn't know anything about it. So I told him, you know, write me a copy. You know, that's what we, that's what we in the biz say. Write me, write me what you want me to read about you. Well, he didn't send me anything. So I want to plug his work, but I don't really know what he does. Works at a software company. I don't want to give his full name because then you guys will find him on social media and, you know, that'll get to his head about how many followers he has. So I jot some things down here that I've been making fun of him over the years for, and I decided to, you know, maybe write this on his copy. So um, I I make fun of his hair a lot, and I just wrote down here, hair not so bad for his age. Guy's in his 50s. He's holding together better uh, better than I thought he would. And then um, the other one is when I was 12 years old, I, I, I beat him up. And, I, and I'm not talking like, you know, he didn't fight back. Like I legitimately kicked his ass with a vacuum. And uh, that's something that my friends and I hold on to uh, because it's very funny. And I wrote down here, um, you know, maybe back then eight out of 10 times I'd kick his ass when I was 12 years old. Now it's 10 out of 10 for, without a doubt. But I will give him the benefit of the doubt is, is when I was 12, when he was in his 30s, he, he might have got um, a couple good shots in there. So thank you, Donald, for uh, sponsoring this episode of MMA Takes. Let's start the show. This is the MMA Takes Podcast with your host, Brian Petrie. Welcome to the MMA Takes Podcast, episode 28. I'm very, very excited to talk to you. Talk to you, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and germs. A little low energy today. I apologize. I was up all night last night. Long night, long story. Um, I first and foremost want to start by thanking and praising Ray Ortega. If you don't know Ray Ortega, he is a, I guess, YouTube personality type. He um, posts tutorial videos on YouTube about getting you started and helping you with podcasts and whatnot. Um, Most audio equipment you buy, you only find tutorials on YouTube of like how to put your fucking guitar into it and play Stairway to Heaven. Um, Obviously, all, all audio equipment is used for also podcasting. And this jump, this guy, Ray Ortega, um, has some very in-depth tutorials on YouTube. He is great. His recommendations are fantastic. I actually purchased the mixer. Uh, well, actually, I'm sorry. The, the Donald, my father, purchased the mixer for me for my birthday. And it's the one that he recommended and uses uh, on his tutorials. And um, I had a little bit of a snafu last night at like... 11 o'clock at night. I don't know where Ray lives. I don't know him personally. And he was, we were going back and forth on Twitter and he actually helped me fix it, fix a problem. So stand up guy, uh, amazing, amazing generosity. I mean, I don't think he, I mean, I'm sure he's getting a little kickback on some of these, but I mean, he's doing it because he realizes there's a, there's a big gap in the market of people out there, um, needing help with, said pockets coming because I don't really know what the fuck I'm doing. You know, I'm, I, you know, you buy a piece of equipment, you got to buy 10 cords with it. You know, I don't, I don't know all that shit. So big shout out to Ray Ortega. It's podcast helper on Twitter, his YouTube, just type in Ray Ortega on YouTube. He, he has several, he has 200 plus videos. 
um, tech reviewing and uh, and uh, just helping you out with podcasts as well. So I told him I was going to shout him out, and I will, and he's great. And another thing before we get started was I, I've been buying most of my equipment via Guitar Center and a lot of these guys that when I, you know, because I'm impatient and I don't want to wait for it to ship. And I mean, if Guitar, Guitar Center doesn't have it, I go to fucking Amazon. But um, I ordered this mixer because Guitar Center didn't have it. I ordered off a company called Sweetwater, sweetwater.com. Um, I'm sure if you're listening to this in your audio file, you've heard of it. I had never heard of it before because I'm new to the audio game, but their customer service is bar none. I know they say no free ads, but I'm giving them a free ad. They were amazing. It chipped so fast. I can't say enough about that company. I got to plug companies that, that do do it right, and uh, Sweetwater definitely does it right. All right, enough kissing ass. Let's get to the show. We got a lot to cover. Um, I'm going to you know go over a personal thing, uh, a little rant with... Uh, reflection, I guess you can say, and then we'll get into some of the, not a ton of news, the shop stuff, maybe the uh, ultimate, uh, contender series last night, Boise recap, hot take, all that good stuff. So um, if you are not aware, I've spoken on the podcast many times with Austin and, and, and just by myself, um, and if you want to go to MMATakes.com, you can read the article, but a buddy of mine, a really close friend of mine had this argument that, and I said in just one time via text that I could beat any soccer player up and I can beat any athlete up under 220 pounds. That's not a professional fighter. He brought up AJ green. I, you know, I, I, I've told this story at nauseam before I said, of course I can beat up AJ green. His main argument was any professional athlete in the NFL. And, and I guess that extends to other sports as well. Can, could, could beat me up. You know, they wouldn't stand a chance in a fight. So over the past two months, I think I, I, I've been needling them. I've been sending them things, and we I've been in, engaging the arguments and stuff. And and you know the one thing about me is I, I think I'm pretty good at at reading a room or a little bit of a comic timing and know when to maybe pull back or when to, to go forward because I just have a good self with that. And uh, I, I I threw a shot at him or not at him. Uh, John Wall was there's a video of him hitting a softball and he's awful. So I said, oh, I thought, you know, all athletes are, are <clears throat> they can do anything, right, according to you. And uh, I think I pushed him over the edge a little bit. He, he, you know, he was tired of the tired of the argument. And by no means that we fight or we argue and stuff. And then he, he wanted to know, like, are you really serious when you say this? I need to know. Or am I being trolled? So I told him 60-40, and I typed out a message. And then, I, and then since then, um, I've, I've have done some self-reflecting, like, you know, is it really 60-40? Because, you know, I'm not going to backstep my take because I, I actually, it is 60-40. 60% of me believes that that is true. I don't think athletes, any and, and any not just NFL, and NBA, anything could come over and pick up MMA like that. And the, the, the original argument was if A.J. Green with no training, as, as athletic as A.J. Green is and as talented as he is football, with no training, could he beat me, a guy who has training, in MMA? And the answer is no. Now, take me out of it. Me personally, I say there's a guy that's my size that's trained MMA for three years. He's never had a pro fight, never had an amateur fight, but um, it, it has some talent. I would choose him over AJ Green. So it's not just like a personal thing for me. Obviously, I use myself as a reference and, you know, it, it, we had some great banter back and forth. Hopefully one day I can get him on the podcast and I maybe won't bring that up, but you, you, you'll see because this guy's you know, he's, he's one of my closest friends. I was in his wedding. He was in mine. 
He's extremely intelligent. He's very argumentative. And I say that in a complimentary way because I like that about him. I like that he doesn't just doesn't agree with you, right? He'll, he'll put up a fight saying his side of the story. That's why I have so much fun with it. And um, But the 40%, I was saying some crazy shit. Like, you know, I told him, like, you know, I'm in better shape than A.J. Green. If A.J. Green and I lock up, you know, he's going to be one tired. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. I'm not in the greatest shape right now, right? A.J. Green's in phenomenal shape. I do believe that there is a difference between being able to run 10 miles and being able to wrestle for five minutes or being able to strike for five minutes. Totally different things. But if I was in better shape, then obviously that claim would, would hold a little more weight. But since I'm carrying more weight, see what I did there, then obviously that's preposterous. But I, I would say things like that to get a rise out of them. And this is all in a group text. And, it, you know, it was it was it was really fun. And 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 uh, I had fun doing it. I had fun debating the topic with them. But I think the crux of the argument, the real argument that that I was trying to make was is, is he's not the biggest MMA fan. He um, he he'll, he'll catch big fights, but maybe but maybe not. Um, which is fine. I mean, he's, he's a soccer guy, man. I don't, I don't care if he's not an MMA fan, but sometimes I feel like in the, not just him, but in a lot of people view MMA as not a real sport, not maybe a real skill because fighting so natural, like a little kid grows up and they know how to hit before they even, they're even told how to hit. You know, my daughter, she's one years old. She comes up and hits me and slams her hands. Like that's natural. That's like a natural thing. Fighting is such a pure natural, it's embedded in our genes that sometimes people overlook it as a sport. And my take is, besides me beating up anybody and all that shit, is that MMA is the hardest sport to learn, I think. I think if you, anybody, could go out with a quarterback's coach for two weeks every day and they could learn how to throw a really good spiral, no matter how weak their arm is. Now, obviously, quarterbacking is just not throwing. Quarterback's one of the hardest position thing. You've got to read the defense, know the playbook, you know, the leader out there. But I feel like there's you can go out there in a couple weeks and learn how to throw a really good football, and you can look good. That's why these guys that do football movies, they look good throwing the ball. I know some are stump doubles, but, you know, they have training because it's easier to pick up. Now then you got guys who do MMA movies, and they actually look, look ridiculous. Jake Gyllenhaal and Southpaw, and that's a boxing movie, but he trained for like six months pure boxing with some of the best boxing instructors in the world. And if you watch that movie, he, he, he doesn't know what he's doing. It's terrible. It's, it, it's not, it, it's not. And that, and that's the, the, another thing too, is I think I, I separate myself is with the John wall video. Everyone, mo, not I shouldn't say everyone, but most, you know, baseball is American sport. A lot of kids grew up playing baseball. A lot of us grew up watching baseball. We know when a swing's bad and we know when it's good, Right. John Wall, we everyone can watch that video on John Wall and be like, whoa, that's a bad swing. The guy can't even hit the ball. Now, me, I consider myself an expert in MMA. I can look at a guy hitting mitts. I could look at Pac-Man Jones fighting in the airport. And I'm I can tell you it's so cringy and it's so bad because I know what 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 it should look like and I know what someone who has talent looks like. Perfect example. I said previously that um i could beat up anyone under 220 pounds that's not a professional fighter obviously I, I can't prove that i don't know if that's real but i saw odell beckham who's like a freak athlete who's like good at everything hitting uh boxing mitts he was hitting mitts in a ring and he's probably what 190 195 on his best day that guy would give me some problems like he's a legit athlete that picks it up the guy can throw a 90 mile an hour fastball uh, I did see him shoot a basketball. It didn't look too great. But, I mean, the guy's like a freak athlete. Not everyone is built like him. So my, my point being is I just – take me out of it. Take the personal side out of it. I just think that um, MMA 
people don't get en- enough credit because it's still a new sport and it's kind of looked at. It is fighting. It is violence. It is brutal. Um, but I think it, 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 I mean, look at, it's just, it is a really tough sport to get good at boxing. I mean, there's people in boxing who start training at 18 and people say that's too late. You're already behind the eight ball. It takes a while for timing and, and to get good at, at things. And, and some people are natural at it and some people aren't. And I obviously can't predict who's natural, who's not. So it's just one of those things where like, you know, like I could hit a home off him or, or whatever. It's what guys, what boys do. So I want to get that out there because I've been reflecting on it. I haven't talked to uh, my buddy about it. Haven't um, spoken to him. I know he's not upset about it. And, and I don't have anything to prove to him. He doesn't have anything to prove to me. I don't know where I get this, you know, because that's, that's another thing, too, is, is I knew I shouldn't be sending this. I knew that the, the conversation and, and the funny banter was dead. I shouldn't have brought it back up. But I did because I guess I have this internal thing where I'm like, oh, I need to prove myself. But Josh is, I said, a good friend, or I said his name. I wasn't going to say his name, but my buddy is a good friend of mine, and he, I don't need to prove to him that I, I don't need him to think I could beat someone up, and he doesn't think I need, it's just one of those things, and I don't know where that comes from, so when I've done my self-reflecting, I'm thinking, like, I've never been the underdog, like, right? Like, I'm a, I'm a big, big guy. No one's going to look at me and, and really, like, try to pick a fight with me, I don't think. And, and I've had a great upbringing. I mean, when I was, you know, from birth to, like, about six or seven, it was a little rough, but nothing crazy. And then I've had a wonderful life after that. So I've never been the underdog. But I don't know where this alpha chip I need to prove myself comes from. I don't hate it, but sometimes I hate it. Like, right now, like, you know, doing this podcast, like, I think I should be better than so-and-so. I think I should be getting this guest, you know? That's when I kind of love it, because I feel like that's going to that's gonna lead me to point A to point B to point C. I think those are the things that are going to propel me to the future. But when you're talking with a buddy, and, uh, I mean, you guys are probably lost on this or whatever. If, if you're lost, go to the MMA Takes website, MMAtakes.com, read the AJ Green article I wrote, and uh, you'll get caught up to speed. But um, point is, you know, know, know your comedic timing. No one is to give up on stuff. And usually I, I, I have a pretty good sense about that, but I guess it slipped away with me because of my old goddamn alpha brain. Now, it's not a shout-out to Joe Rogan. That's just me being an, an alpha male and having a, a, a one-white brain. So that's it. Personal ran over. Um, yeah, so... If, if you were lost on that, go ahead and skip it next time you... Because I know you guys probably listen to this multiple times and you share it. Go ahead and skip that part. So the only news, I guess, uh, in, in in they're worth talking about is the Contender Series happened last night. Paige Van Sant's boyfriend fought her ex-teammate, uh, Angelo Trevino. Um, what's his... I don't I forget her boyfriend's name. Vander. Vanderhaar, they were calling him Mr. Van Zant and all that stuff. Looked good. Um, I've never seen a fight before. He's only 4-0. I know he's 5-0. He's undefeated. Good wrestler. Um, striking was okay. Got rocked in the first round. Came back and won. Seems like he's got a lot of heart. Did not get the contract. A couple other people got the contract as well. The the, the very first fight, I, 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 the guy's name slipping. I don't have it in front of me. He won in like 30 seconds. I don't think he should have got the contract. I'm still a little sour. Obviously, my boy Chris Curtis didn't get the contract. I think that's total BS. I think that's complete horse shit. He should have received the contract without a doubt. I think he's better. Than, every 170-pounder that's been on the show, Chris Curtis is head and shoulders better than them. So uh, I'm a little upset about that. But, yeah, he won. He looked good. And I, I was actually kind of rooting for him because, you know, it's not his fault that he's engaged to a to a hot chick that's also in fighting. You know, I don't think people need to to give him shit for that. I, I You know, that's... You know, you got Paige Van, Van Zant, who's who's probably the hottest MMA girl, I think. I mean, you can make the argument Gina Carano, never been a Rousey fan. Misha Tate's gorgeous, but she's retired. 
Paige Van Sant, cheerleader type, very tough, very talented. I think she's my number one hottest MMA uh, female fighter, um, without a doubt. So you can't hate on the guy for, you know, I'm sure he gets shit everywhere he goes because his girlfriend's, you know, more famous than him and she's in a predominantly male heavy sport with alpha brain men like me. So uh, good for him, but he didn't get the contract. I think he'll he'll either get brought back because he's only 5-0. and He'll get brought back because I thought he did look good. Um, he'll get brought back at the end of the season and maybe get one more shot or they'll, they'll call him up. Um, same thing they should have done with Chris. But, uh, but other than that, the, the only other thing is Brendan Schaub, after we talked about it last week, he uh, had a little dust up with Dana and, and Israel Adesanya. He responded to on his own podcast because he has a platform both podcasts. His Showtime one, um, Big Brown, below the, below the Belt, and then his Fighter and the Kid. Now, Israel has came out and, and basically I just watched it on, on Instagram stories that he was like, you know, fuck you, Brendan. It's not all about you. You're nobody. I might not be somebody, but you're not somebody either. Brendan just has a good platform. Now, I, I applaud Brendan for, for what he did outside of fighting, but his apology or not apology, excuse me, his response was just ridiculous. I mean, everything was made about him. He talked about how Dana White can't affect him anymore and he's got all these stories and He's got. He's been really nice to Dana. It's like, listen, Dana doesn't fucking care about you. Like, he might care about you now because you said that shit about the Eskimo brothers, but he doesn't care about you. His rant and his response to Dana on both his both his platforms was about him. It's just how I, I don't need him, man. I just don't need him. That's my Brandon Shab impression. It just, it just, I, it, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm a Shab hater. Maybe, I, you know, I've talked about my, I guess my jealousy of Shab, if that's a word to me, hater and jealousy are the same, same thing. But, you know, I don't know if it's hating or jealousy just because I, I fundamentally disagree with the guy. He just, he's just too wrapped up in what he's doing. He's very proud that he's kind of made it out of what he did from fighting to what he's doing now. And that's fine. You made the right connections. You know, your your best friend's a comedian that's been a comedian for years. You know, Joe Rogan's your, your good pal. He puts you on the platform. But you're only on Rogan really to talk about fighting. You're not intelligent enough to really have any deep conversations about anything, right? I don't know how your stand-up is. I know I'm not going to go see you. I know some of the comments on your thing was like, you know, you know, Brendan sells out theaters and your stadiums, I think the guy said. It's like, bro, he's doing clubs for two, 300 people, like, it goes clubs, sta- theaters, and stadiums. Like Kevin Hart is like the only comedian I know. Maybe Louis C.K., if he stops jerking off, are the only guys selling out fucking stadiums. So whoever made that comment is just ridiculous. It's just it just they don't understand it. So, um, I you know it's he he's acting like it, it, his both his responses. The first one, then the the notes one where he Instagrammed it out about Eskimo Brothers. He's acting like everyone responded well to it. From my from what I gather, a lot of people on Twitter. Didn't respond well to it. I obviously don't know who texted him. I don't know who his friends are. Apparently, he was texting Rogan about it. You know, I don't know. I know one thing. I know that you are in the position you are now. Half the people that show up to your shows are fans of your your Fighting the Kid and maybe even your MMA show, uh, your other podcast. Maybe they were even fans of your, you fighting, which there's probably not many out there because you suck shit. But... You're you're pissing on a guy that a pretty powerful guy in in a field that made you who you are. Your ticket sales, if you're that good of a comedian, because I don't think you're that funny on any of your shows. I listened to Fighting the Kid right when it first came out. Was entertained by it. I like Brian Cowan. 
soured on it. Callum started getting annoying. Shab was always annoying. He was telling the same jokes four years ago, five years ago that he's telling now. So hopefully his stand-up's way better. Again, never seen him. Probably never going to see him. I know there's really not much on YouTube of him because I've wanted to see his stand-up to uh, see if maybe, you know, he maybe he's really talented in this, but I doubt it. You know, you fail out of football, you fail out of MMA, you're probably going to fail out stand-up. But um, he's acting like he got here alone. You didn't. You need. Yeah, you had a lot of help with some of your famous friends and uh, maybe even your famous girlfriend to set up the meetings with your friends. I'm talking about Ronda Rousey. Um, but that's it. I mean, I, I thought he handled it poorly. I think he thinks he won. I think he... He can battle Dana. Maybe he can, and, and, and I don't d- agree with everything Dana says, but he's acting like, you know, Dana's the worst guy in the world, and Dana's this and Dana's that. Dana's got a tough job, man. You know what I mean? If Dana starts coming to you to tell you how to do your job, how to do stand-up when he's never done it before, you're going to scoff and, and do the same thing that he's doing to you about when you talk about fighting. So Dana's protecting his commodity. He's protecting Israel Adesanya. He sees a star. I don't know why he hopped on there. I don't necessarily think he should have hopped on your Instagram or, or, or made that comment on Israel's Instagram. But it is what it is. I just thought Shab maybe handled that, his response a little poorly. Could have been better. But that was really it. I mean, Conor McGregor went to the World Cup and shook hands with Putin and typed a big thing with Putin. If you want to listen to politics, you know, I'm sure there's a half dozen, nope, half dozen. I don't know if that came through. My mother just called me. Hopefully that didn't come through the podcast. I should have answered it and be like, hey, mom, we're recording. But... Um, so that's it. Yeah. So if you want to, if you want me to give a rant about Putin and all that stuff, that's not going to happen. Let's jump in right to Boise this past Saturday. I went eight and five on my picks. I think I should have went, uh, seven and four, or I'm sorry, nine and four. Terrible at math. I think I should have went nine and four. I thought Bermudez got screwed. Um, but it is what it was. I, you know, you saw what it, you, they didn't do better pacing because I fell asleep and I had to wake up and watch it the next day. But, you know, Jessica Aguilar won. Uh, Mark De La Rosa looked great. Liz Carmouche looked great at that division. Uh, Roni Barcelos, kid's going to be something. He looked great. He had that uppercut working. He knocked out Hullaba, and he looked really good making his debut. Um, watch out for that kid at the featherweight. I, 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 high, high hopes for him. Hullaba's a good striker, good, powerful guy, long guy. Barcelos making his debut and just and, and really toned it in and knocked out. Uh, a pretty solid, um, uh, experienced guy. And then you got, uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov. Apparently I said he was, could be his brother way wrong. Apparently they're cousins, like everyone's cousins. Like the, you know, Nurmagomedov might be like just Smith in Dagestan. So they don't probably know each other. I didn't see Khabib tweeting about him. Obviously he wasn't in his corner. I thought he, he, uh, stole that from Scoggins. I actually picked Sadiq Saeed, but Scoggins clearly won that. Alexander Volchansky looked amazing as Darren Elkins, especially since he, uh, Busted his ribs up or something like that. Um, Eddie Wineland looked okay. That was that was a little lackluster fight. I actually picked Perez. He Perez won, but uh, I, I thought a little more was going to happen in that fight. Kat Zagano looked great. Miles Dury got knocked out by Chad Mendez. That was a surprise to me. Nico fucking Price with the hammer fist knockout of Randy Brown. That's nuts. Rick Glenn, I, I, I like Rick Glenn a lot. I think he's a talented guy. I think he's at the right camp. He uh, he beat Bermudez uh, technically. But I thought Bermudez had that fight won. That's like three or four in a row now. Pretty close losses for uh, Dennis Bermudez, who I think is a is a real talented fighter. Sage Northcutt knocked out Zach Otto. Sage Northcutt showed a lot of heart in that fight. Got rocked. Got back up. Got to respect it. Kid's still young. 170, I think, is his weight. 
I don't want him to see him at uh, at 45 or, excuse me, 55 at all. I think his weight needs to be 170. And Dos Santos, he could have made bigger head waves than he um, – he could have made bigger head waves against Ivanov, but – he didn't, and I think that was a I think that was a loss on his part. Um, I think he he really needed to show out that for that fight if he wanted to get any contendership in that division, and he didn't. Ivanov, Ivanov, whatever's however you pronounce his last name, he looked okay. I wanted to be a little more from an AKA heavyweight, considering he trains with some of the best guys in the world. But you know, it was a tough matchup with uh, with uh, Dos Anjos, and uh, can't blame him, can't fault him, can't fault him. So Sanos is a uh, is a real dude, real deal dude. So I uh, yeah. So that's Boise, pretty good, not terrible. This week we have uh, we have Germany up, and uh, I got my hard copy. You know I have my hard copies. Do you think I'm fucking around? I'm like a 1980s dad shuffling papers here, trying to get everything organized. That's I'm fucking feeling great. But um, should we do? You want me to break down Germany picks? I have it written down here, Germant, because I know how to fucking spell when I make my notes. Um, yeah, so I talked about Connor meeting Putin, the wonderful, wonderful Alexander or Vladimir Putin at the uh, World uh, Cup final, I believe. And I feel like we haven't had a good Conor McGregor hot take in a little bit. So obviously he was he was spotted with Putin. A lot of people don't like that because Putin's uh, an evil man. Apparently, um, but Australia doesn't exist either. So who knows what the fuck's going on? Anyway, um, Conor McGregor. My hot take is that you know I, I've been seeing him training. I've been seeing him. Everyone wants the Khabib fight. I think Conor wants to fight Woodley. I think if Woodley beats Covington, even if he doesn't, maybe he even fights Colby. But the hot take of the week, I was gonna put a sound clip in there. I was I was having a little trouble here, a little technical difficulties. I'm trying to find out a better sound bite. Anyway. Hot take of the week is Conor McGregor will fight Tyler Woodley. I think he wants the third belt. I think the UFC could sell that. Um, I think they could sell Colby, too. Uh, I think Colby could beat Tyron, but I think Tyron's actually going to win that fight. They're going to fight in September, December. Conor will come back. Something will happen with Khabib or whatever. I think Khabib needs to fight Tony Ferguson anyway, and then I think Conor's going to go for his third belt with Woodley, possibly retire after that, maybe come back like once every three or four years. Um, I mean, the guy's worth $100 million. The Woodley fight's going to be another 50 to $100 million, um, or Covington fight. But uh, that's the hot take of the week. That's my prediction. Hot takes are turning into predictions at this point. But, you know, that's what that's just what you got to deal with. That's, that's, that's what you got to live with, baby. So let's get into the UFC Germany picks. All right. So first up, we have Damian Stasiak versus... This is a fucking hell of a name. Pinyong Lu. Uh, Stasiak is 10 and 5. He's a plus 165 or 105 underdog. He's fighting uh, Pinyong Lu, who is a 10 and 5 as well. He's a minus 134 favorite. Um, I do not know much about Lu, if I'm being honest with you. Stasiak has kind of been up and down in the UFC. Um, good submission. Kind of good overall all around. I don't think he's going to beat the top competition. So I fight down to Poland. Um... You know, he's 28 years old, so he's he's right there. Uh, again, Lou, I do not know much about. Obviously, uh, not obviously ooh, racist. He's coming from China. Um, I, I'm going to go with Stasiak because he's had the, he has the UFC experience, and uh, I, I think he could – he's a tough out. Like, he's not going to just roll over. Like, that's, that's a tough out for you. 
So I don't know, but stay away from that fight. I mean, the line isn't crazy for you. If you're betting, I'd stay away. But that's definitely a fight that uh, that I think Stazak could win. So if you're feeling crazy, if you want to bet the whole card, go ahead. Next up, we got Jeremy Kimball. He's a plus one seventy nine favorite or underdog. He is fifteen and seven against Darko Stozik, which sounds like a bad guy from a, a, the new Die Hard movie. He is a minus two twenty one favorite, and he is twelve and one, making his UFC debut. Stozik, big, powerful guy, fighting out about fighting out of Serbia. That's just scary as shit. I've never seen a fight. I looked up a couple YouTube fights of him. This is fighting at light, light heavyweight Kimball. It's prone to stand up and bang. You know, he, he's lost a few fights that way. I, I think he's a tough guy. I think he has decent hands. I think, you know, he's fight a heavyweight, dropped down to 205. Um, I'm going to go with Stozik, though, because you don't bet against that name and uh, you don't bet against Serbia. You just don't do it. But uh, I know Stozik is, is a solid prospect at, in that division. And, and uh, Kimball is not yet. I mean, I don't know if he ever, ever will be, but um, that's definitely a smart fight to put together. Last fight on the prelims here, we got Davey Grant, who's 10-3. He's a plus-328 underdog against Manny Bermudez, who's 12-0. He's a minus-412 favorite. Listen, Davey Grant coming off a, a submission loss to Damien Stasiak, who's kicking the card off. If you're coming off a submission loss and you're fighting a guy like Manny Bermudez, that's probably not good. Uh, you know me, I hate the big favorites in MMA. I just think MMA is so unpredictable that... No one should ever be a plus four twelve or four twelve favorite when you haven't done that much. I mean, he's twelve and zero. He's, I think he's two or three and zero in the UFC. Many Bermudez it is. However, I think he is going to be talented. I think his jujitsu is some of the best at bantamweight. I think he's he's trying to put it all together. He's still pretty young. He's only twenty four. Um, I think he I think he submits Davy Grant here. That's definitely a prop bet. I think you know Davy Grant's obviously working on submission. He he lost his last fight to submission. He took on this submission guy. That's obviously in his camp. I just don't know if he has enough guys in his camp to get him ready for a guy like Manny Bermudez. If I'm being honest. Next up, we have light heavyweights. We have Justin Ledette, who's nine and zero. He's a minus one eighty nine favorite against Alik Alexander. It's a weird way to spell it. Rannick. He is 8-1, and one, and he is the underdog at plus 161. Um, Ledet is solid. He's a good boxer. Uh, I've seen him fight Chase Sermon before at heavyweight. These guys are, are look like they dro- they're dropping, or Ledet dropped down to 205, which I don't know if that's a smart thing or a good thing. You know my, my feelings about heavyweights are, you know, if you're a heavyweight, I'd stay at heavyweight. Uh, I mean, uh, Ledet doesn't seem to be that small of a guy. He was 240 when he weighed in. I know he's a little loose, but uh, he's 9-0. So he dropped down. He's fighting a guy who is a pretty solid fighter. He's, this is in Germany. He's fighting out of Austria, which is basically Germany. Um, so I'm going with the underdog. I'm going with Alexander. Um, probably by uh, decision, I think Ledet is a, is a tough out. I don't think there's going to be any finish in that fight. I think that fight might... Uh, might uh, snooze the crowd a little bit, on paper at least. Next up, we got Khalid Taha. I know I'm pronouncing that name wrong. He is 12-1. and one. He is a plus 180 underdog, and he's fighting Nad Narmani, right? Nad Narmani. This is an alpha male guy on uh, Cody Garbrandt's blog or video blog or whatever he does with his training camp. This guy's been been featured a little bit. Um, coming from England to go to Alpha Male, I'm sure he's pretty well rounded. He is ten and two, and he's a minus two sixty five favorite. 
You're a two-to-one favorite over a real powerful German featherweight. I just can't bet against the German. I mean, you should have bet against him in World War II. Not going to bet against him now. I'm going to go with Khalid Taha. Great name. Um, 12-1 solid record. Good, powerful guy. Nad Narmini. I know he's well-rounded. I know he's probably going to take this match, uh, fight to the ground. I know he's going to use some footwork. He's going to come in great shape. But I'm going with the, the heavy-hitting German. Next up, we got Emil Meek, who's 9-2-1. He's a minus-116 uh, favorite. or Well, he's the slight underdog because he's fighting Bartos Fab- Fabinski, and he's 13-2 at minus-106. Uh, Fabinski is uh, a powerful guy. That should be a very, very entertaining fight. Emil Meek, strong, big for that division, cuts a lot of weight. Um, looked has showed a lot of heart in his last fight against um, – Kamar Usman, who just out-grappled him, out-wrestled him. Apparently, they've been training together. Uh, I like Emil Meek in this a lot. I think Emil Meek has a lot of talent. Um, Bartos Fabinski, I haven't seen fight too often. Comes out of Poland. Um, looks like he is a finisher, and he's, and he's got some solid hands. I just don't think he's going to finish Meek. I think Meek's a warrior. I think Meek's big for the division. I think uh, I think Meek's going to get that done. As a slight underdog, that line's moving all over the place, though, so... If you want to place your bet on that, I'd go Meek for sure. I would probably bet him straight up because, again, Fabinski could pull something out because he does have heavy hands, but I like Meek a lot. Next up in lightweight, we got Nick Hine, who is a minus-169 favorite against Damir Hadzovic. He is a plus-141 underdog. He is 11-4, fighting out of Denmark. He's on a six-fight winning streak. Nick Hine is has been kind of up and down in the UFC. He, he he's just coming off a submission loss to Davy Romos. Um, I don't think he's going to lose this fight. He's obviously the kind of the the stud in Germany right now. He's got a good look. He's a solid fighter. Before his loss, he won three in a row. Has more experience. Has bigger wins. Fighting in his home home country. Um, I think he's going to pull this out. I think he's going to grind this one out. Uh, Nick Hines a tough out, so he's going against a, a guy who I don't think has the the skills to really take him out. So I'm going Nick Hines on that for the hometown win for the uh, the Germans. Next up, we got Danny Roberts, who is a minus 400 favorite. He was supposed to take on Alan Joban, which was a terrific fight. Joban uh, pulled out with injury. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but. Um, Danny Roberts is fighting David Zawanda, who's a plus 300 un- or favorite or underdog, excuse me, can't talk today. Danny Roberts is a solid guy. Um, I didn't look much up on this fight. I, I have notes written down. I just think Roberts is, you know, going to win this fight. I think uh, he's got a lot of hype around him, and I do not know much about Zawanda. Probably should have looked him up. Probably should have done my due diligence, but I didn't. So uh, let's go Danny Roberts, but it doesn't matter because you're staying away from that fight. Again, Danny Roberts is not in the level of of MMA to have that big of a uh, big of a number next to his name. Next up, which should be a really interesting fight, and I tell you what, this card is is really testing my pronunciations, which are terrible already. But this card's pushing it. Next up in lightweight, we got Nasrat Hakaparast. That's got to be right. I fucking nailed that. Against Mark Dykes, who Mark Dykes has fought in the UFC. I'm pronouncing his name wrong, but he's fought in the UFC quite a bit. He's 12-2. and two. He's the current uh, one, uh, minus 189 favorite against 
Harker Parast, and he's 8-2 at uh, 161. Harker Parast mixes it up really well. Good striker, good ground. I, I imagine he's probably going to be going for takedowns against Dakinese. Dakinese came on off a really competitive fight with Dan Hooker a little bit ago. Dan Hooker um, dropped him a few times and, and really showcased his skills. Kind of a coming out party for Hooker, in my opinion, and uh, ended up submitting Dakinese. But I think Dakinese is going to rebound. I think he's an explosive guy. I think he's talented. And uh, I see him coming coming out the victor. And I'm betting against Germany. There you go. I said I wasn't going to do it, and I did it. Probably next up, we got the heavyweights. Probably the most one of the most interesting fights to me on the card. Um, Marcin Tabura, a guy who I think has a lot of skills, has great kicks, has a great body kick, um, has fought a lot of tough guys already in the UFC. He's, he's a, he has a fairly young UFC career. He lost to Radum. He's lost to Derek Lewis. He's taking on Stefan Struve, who is currently the plus 195 underdog. Struve coming off uh, two losses to Volkanov and Arlovsky. Um, before that, he won two. Struve's been up and down. I think, I mean, the size advantage is always there. Um, Tabura has never fought anyone like Stefan Struve with the height and stuff. I don't know how he's going to do with the reach. He's kind of a slow starter. He's a good striker. He might want to take this fight to the ground. I think Stefan's pretty dangerous off his back, but he's been prone to getting TKO with some uh, with some ground and pound. I like Stefan as the under on this. I'm picking Struve. I think he just has more experience in UFC. Tybora's fought some really tough guys lately, but he hasn't beaten them. Struve has a win over Stipe. I mean, he's got some, uh, you know, Bigfoot Silva. He's got some solid wins in there. And he had a pretty competitive fight with Orlowski where he lost. He dropped the decision. But, um, you know, I think Struve is, is – feels like he's been around for a while. He's only 30. And, you know, heavyweights tend to have a longer shelf life than, than other fighters. Um, you know, for heavyweights are they usually stick around a little bit longer. But um, I'm going Struve plus one nine five. Definitely bet that fight uh, straight up. I would put some good money on that because I I think Tabura's that fight could go either way. I think Tabura is very talented, but I, I just like Stefan in that fight. Next up, uh, we have a middleweight fight. Vitor Miranda going back up to middleweight after trying his luck at uh, one seventy. He is fighting. He's excuse me, Vitor Miranda is 13-6. He's a plus 131 underdog. He's fighting Abu Abu Asa Tatar. Okay. I, I did not do that one right. Abu. I'm gonna call him Abu. A-B-U. Abu. He's 13-1. He's minus 159 favorite. Fighting out of Morocco. Um, trains out of Germany. Or fighting out of Morocco. He's he's born in Germany. Um, this guy's I've heard some good things about him. He's making his UFC debut. I don't know a ton about him. Miranda's dropped his last two. Hasn't had a big win yet in UFC. I think he's a, he's a tough out. I think he's tough to finish. He's a I can't. I'm not gonna say tough again, but um, he's never jumped off the page to me. He's never jumped off the screen to me. But um, uh, Abu, it, it, the reason this fight is so high in the card is because this Abu guy has a lot of hype around him, and uh, Miranda I think is gonna fall victim to that. I, I'm gonna take Abu um, with a finish. I think he'll be able to get it done. Next up, co-main event, we got light heavyweights. We got Glover, Tech Shares, 29 and 6. He's the minus 235 favorite against Corey Anderson. Corey Anderson, if you don't remember, the guy's nickname used to be Beaston 25-8. Um, you know, he, you know, get it, 25-8, you know, 25 hours a day, days a week. That doesn't exist. It was clever. Now it's switched to overtime. Corey Anderson is a plus 165. 165 underdog. He's coming off a big win over Patrick Cummings. Before that, though, he's coming off two pretty brutal knockout losses. Um, I don't know what to expect in this fight. I think I think this line should move a lot. I think a late money should come on Corey because I think Corey could 
cause Glover problems. Glover is not a speedster. Glover has good takedown defense, but he has some power. He's getting a little older. He's only 38, but I feel like he's like 70. He feels like he's been around forever, but he's only 38. And, uh, I mean, he's right there in the mix of things. He's only lost to the best of the best. Um, coming off a Misov Sirkinov win back in December where he looked pretty good. He got hit a lot. I just don't think Corey has the power, and I think Corey has shown a little bit of a chin, uh, some chin problems in his UFC career. So um, I'm going to go with the old dog. I'm going to go with Glover Teixeira on that, even though he's a favorite. Late money will come on Corey Anderson, guarantee that. Next up, main event. A main event I'm very excited about. This was supposed to be Shogun Hua versus Vulcan Ozemir, but it is Shogun Hua versus Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith, it was now at 205 pounds, coming off a win. Um two months ago, a month ago, against uh, Rashad Evans. Very quick, first round. I actually had Rashad Evans in that flight. I thought he was going to turn back time. Anthony Smith is a, is a giant guy. He had a he has a really, really crazy record. I mean, he's 29 and 13. At one point, he was like 10 and 11 with his losses. Um, he's coming off a big win over Evans. Before that, he's coming off a loss to Santos, his last fight at 185. But he looked really good in that Santos fight. He hurt Santos a lot. He just got... Clipped himself. Santos is a big, powerful guy, and um, and he ran out of gas as well. And he's fighting Shogun, who is coming off three straight wins. Shogun's doing his career right. You know, he's 36 years now, old now. He is taking time off in between fights because he goes to war. This fight, no exception. These guys, no one's going for a takedown. Shogun, the, Shogun, the old vet, 2-1 to one underdog. He's at plus 175. This fight's kind of put my mind in a pretzel because Daniel Cormier has came out and said that he would like to fight Shogun. I mean, if Shogun wins, that's four in a row in a pretty thin division. Anthony Smith is new to the division. I know Anthony Smith can't go five rounds yet. I think he's a little too young for that. He's coming off a. Hopefully, he's in really good shape because he's coming off a, a, of a, a camp not even a month ago. I just really like. Um, I just really like Anthony Smith in this fight. I know I should. I want to go. I want to go Shogun because of just my how much I respect him. But I think Anthony Smith is going to be too powerful. I think it's going to end in the first round. I think he's going to put Shogun out with the, with a punch and reminiscent of the Ove Saint Proof fight. So there it is. That's my picks. We're at forty one minutes here. Let's end with the top five, like always. Top five. This one is going to be highly debatable. A lot of people disagree with me, but who gives a shit? You don't have a podcast. If you if you want to disagree with me, start your own podcast or come on mine and tell me tell me why you disagree with me. Top five pride fighters. Obviously, uh, Shogun is headlining the event, um, so we're gonna do the top five pride fighters. Number five, Big Nog. I mean, tremendous heart, tremendous power, tremendous everything. Submission skills. Um, loved Big Nog and Pride. He's on the list. He's, he, he, some people might think he's higher. He's on a list because his, his career, he should have ended his career earlier than he did, but that, you know that's every fighter does that. Won a title in, in Pride and won a title in the UFC. Not a lot of people can say they've done that. So Big Knob at number five, holding it down. Number four, Rampage. Even though I do not like Rampage, I'm not a Rampage Jackson fan, he's a legend. He was over in Pride. He didn't win the Pride title at all. Vanderlei stopped him from winning that Pride belt. But he did come over and and win the 205-pound division title, knocking out Chuck Liddell, defending against Dan Henderson. I mean, he, he's he's a legend of the game. He's still fighting. He's still acting crazy. You know, I can't believe he got away with running people over, running cars over with a monster truck and said, I, I haven't slept and all I've drank his energy drinks. Like, really? 
That's that's your excuse? That's the best one you got, huh? Number three, it's going to be a tie. It's going to be Fedor and Krokop. I know this is this is the controversial one. Everyone thinks Fedor should be number number one because it means the emperor. He might be the best of all time. The best pride fighters to come from pride that have come over to America and who have done well. Fedor does not do well in America. He has not. I mean, he's done okay, um, but he hasn't done great in America. Krokop has done pretty well over here, better than Fedor. I think Krokop is going to be a UFC Hall of Famer. Who's st- he's still fighting. He obviously does better overseas. I wonder why that is. Probably because USADA is not over there. Just saying. Allegedly. Allegedly, I should say, so I don't get sued. Fedor and Krokop. I know Fedor beat Krokop in Pride, one of the biggest fights I've ever done. Fedor, a legend. He's the last emperor. He's got this myth about him. But again, just his American career has sullied him just a little bit, just enough on this. I should throw Sakuraba in there as well. Sakuraba never really came over to America. He didn't make the list, but if I, I'm going to go ahead and uh, it's my list. I can addend it. I'm going to put number three, Fedor, Kokov, Sakuraba. Uh, number two, we got Vanderlei Silva versus Hen- uh, and Hendo. They're, uh, they're both right there. Hen- Henderson could have easily been number one. He's done so much in the sport. I have so much respect for him. Wasn't a huge fan like throughout his career, but now that I look back on it, like this guy fought everybody. This guy was fighting guys at 205 where he had really no business being at 205. I know he's just he's a thick, muscly guy, and people rave about how strong he is, but like just a, a true, good, gritty dude. Had a chin his whole career. Towards the end, he started getting hit and rocked a little bit. Great wrestling, great power. Um, Kept it simple in there and tremendous. And Manley Silva, you know, still fighting, unfortunately. I think that guy should have retired. Should have hang him up. Could be a real coach. Had his own gym in Vegas. Was doing well for a while. But, you know, you, you got to pay the bills. Um, Vanderlei, probably the best fighter to come out of Pride if you look at the stats. The guy did everything. The guy beat everybody. There's some question how, if, if he was on Grandpa's Cough Medicine over there or not. Didn't really light up the UFC, you know, um, didn't come over. I mean, lost his first fight with Chuck, which is one of my all-time favorite fights of all time, him and Chuck. Great, great fight. Um, never fought for a title in, in the UFC, and uh, now he's over in Bellator, and it's kind of winding down for him. Very entertaining guy. Vanderlei, in, if this list was best pride fighters in pride, Vanderlei would definitely be one or two. He falls two on my list in America just because um, he holds so much weight in pride. Number one is uh, Mauricio Shogun Hua, who's fighting in the main event Saturday, who I picked against, believe it or not, my number one. But Shogun, the only one on this list, be- besides Big Nog, that came over and, and and held two titles, was a legend in pride, beat everybody, won the pride belt, had an amazing war with uh, Little Nog, came over, lost a controversial decision to um, Leota Machida, came back, rematched, and finished him in the first round. Shogun's had legendary fights with Hendo. Every fight's action packed with Shogun. I think uh, I think he's got to be my number one. I know that a lot of people think Fedor should undoubtedly be number one. I obviously I view it a little bit different. So that's the show. That's it. Episode twenty eight. Enjoy the fights. They're Sunday. They're not this Saturday. I don't know if I said Saturday. I'm wrong. They're Sunday. I believe the main card starts at two on FS1. I love the Sunday cards. Sundays are my favorite days of the week. So that's it. Um, Thank you for listening. Like and subscribe. Is that what people say? I think that's what people say. I know I used to put a little outro on the end of this of me saying that, but go to MMAtakes.com. Try to update as much as I can. Um, Keep these coming. Hopefully you win some money this weekend. And uh, yeah, let's do it. See you next week.